And we welcome you to the Friday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. I have a feeling everybody listening uh, recognizes that as the song Christmas Time is Here from the animated classic A Charlie Brown Christmas. Well, coming up this weekend and the following weekend, there are more opportunities to enjoy the Lakeside Players production of A Charlie Brown Christmas on the stage of the Rhodey Center for the Arts in downtown Kenosha. The production uh, opened this past weekend And I'm really excited to be able to uh, talk about this production with its stage director, Norgi Metzinger. Norgi, we welcome you to the morning show. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Greg. So uh, this is an exciting opportunity and undertaking for you in a couple of different ways. One of them is that you are a very experienced uh, performer on the stage. I'm sure lots of people have seen you in all kinds of different things, but if I remember correctly... This is your first time sort of crossing the threshold and being the director of a production rather than uh, a performer within it. Tell us a little bit about that leap from performer to director and what that has felt like for you. Uh, absolutely. I, you know, I've, I've been in theater for my entire adult life. It's been a wonderful joy, a wonderful escape, and a great way to sort of flex uh, the creative muscle And so uh, I became very interested in the technical aspect or the technical side of theater about five or six years ago. And one of the things that I sort of gravitated towards was um, sound design, because I remember being a kid and watching movies or television shows and and always being fascinated with the the sound effects and how they make things work behind the scenes and that was always something that I enjoyed in the, in the film scores or, or the music in a TV show. And so um, the more I became involved backstage, the more I became fascinated with the idea of directing a production. I, I feel like in all the years that I've done uh, community theater, I've, I've been able to sort of absorb a lot of knowledge and experience and um, perspective about um, directing a show and sort of the technical aspect. And I really wanted to make that leap. And this was the show that I sort of said, it'd be a great opportunity to cut my teeth on this show. Number one, because it's so well known and it's got such a great and rich history, but also it's a very short show. And so if I'm going to cut my teeth uh, on a show to direct, uh, that's probably the most ideal situation is taking something that has really um, great history, but also isn't too daunting in terms of length or um, the scale of the production itself. Right. It's a it's an intimate show, simple in some ways, although we don't, I don't mean that in any sort of a negative way. But, yeah, it's not Aida with live elephants. This is a, an, right. an intimate, very human score, a scale a production with a relatively small cast. And, uh, yeah, I can see how in a lot of ways this would, would, would seem like a, a natural entry waypoint for you to explore this for the first time. Um, 
did you have anything to do with this showing up on the Lakeside Players season uh, or or uh, otherwise? How did this opportunity come to you? Um, when I became involved with Lakeside Players um, in the previous season with um, uh, Beauty and the Beast, I the the season this season had already been selected, and so when I expressed my interest in directing a, a production. Um, one of the things that they said was, you know, we have a, a criteria and that kind of thing. And so um, I, I put together sort of a presentation as to what I'd, what kind of show I'd put on or um, my vision for this show specifically. And so then I was selected based off of um, multiple candidates who wrote in to direct shows. And um, that's how I became involved with, um, with this production. But no, I was not on the... Uh, the committee that picked this show. So tell us how this compares to that classic animated television special that so many of us have seen repeatedly and, and, and dearly love that it, I think, debuted in the mid-1960s, if I remember correctly. Uh, is what we see in the stage production pretty much that? Is it longer, shorter, augmented in any respect? Um, so pretty much what you see on stage is almost exactly um, listed from the, the original cartoon from the mid-60s, as you said. And so um, it's, it's almost like the characters have come to life. Uh, instead of seeing them on TV, you're seeing them on stage. And so um, almost every single thing that you remember from the cartoon is going to be in the show. Um, there were a couple of decisions that were made um, in terms of not necessarily altering the show, but maybe um, tweaking some things so that they um, fit better on stage. Um, many people, if they're familiar with the original cartoon, might remember that um, there's ice skating that opens the, um, the cartoon. And we tried that for a long time uh, to do the ice skating. And we, I, I just didn't, it didn't look like it worked well and um, because we, we obviously can't ice skate on stage. Um, and so we tried a lot of different things. So I, we altered the opening um, a little bit to um, be a little bit more stage friendly, but also introduce the characters in a way that honors the spirit of the source material. So, um, but everything else that you love and remember about the cartoon from, um, you know, Lucy and, and Charlie Brown at the psychiatry stand and um, rehearsing for the school play and them dancing um, to um, Schroeder playing the piano, that's all still in there. The, 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 the spirit of the show, the message, um, is still very much a part of this stage production, along with a very um, classic score by the Vince Guaraldi trio, which a lot of that music from, that, from there is also in this production. Wonderful. Just uh, the little sample that we heard at the outset. Uh, so tell us a little bit about visually what uh, you and your collaborators have tried to create, again, in relationship to what we remember from the animated special. In any way, are you trying to either imitate that or emulate that or or suggest that? or Or have you gone with a visual look that is in a sense quite distinct from that animated special well one of the things that you mentioned before greg um 
talking about the production being simple. Um, and of course, you meant no offense, and, and, and I think that's an apt um, term. I, I thought about my memory of the cartoon, and obviously as a first-time director, I'm, I'm thinking all of this big stuff, and then the more I thought about it, the more I thought it's about the characters, it's about the message. And so the production itself is very, very simple. There's not a huge set. There's not, um, you know, elaborate um, set pieces or anything like that. It almost operates as a black box style production um, where there's just a few things that move in and out of the stage. I wanted the characters to be the focal point of the show and also um, uh, remembering that there's a lot of music that helps sort of tell the story and drive the story and, and, and um, drive the emotional pitch of the story. So I, I really tried to honor the show um, and its simplicity by letting the characters be um, what stands out. Um, I didn't want to essentially imitate specifically um, everything from the, from the cartoon because I wanted the actors to have the opportunity to put their own personality into the character as they were just, you know, as they were going through the process and finding those things. But every person in this show and every bit of the production honors the source material in some way. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel as it were in terms of the production, but I think you'll find that um, the simplicity of the show really lends itself to sort of um, how you remember the cartoon originally. So um, again, there's not a huge elaborate set. Um, we use projections for, um, for some of the backdrops um, that help tell the story. I wanted it to feel like um, whether you're young or old and you're sitting in the audience, it's like you're watching this on TV as a kid and that the characters have essentially jumped out of the TV and there they are on stage uh, doing this for you in um, in 3D, essentially. Mm. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Norgi Metzinger about A Charlie Brown Christmas. That is the current production of the Lakeside Players. Uh, it opened this past weekend and it runs for two more weekends at the Rhodey Center for the Arts in, in downtown Kenosha. Uh, so I know that you have uh, made some uh, let's say, bold and unconventional choices in terms of your casting. And uh, that was one of the things I was most excited to uh, talk with you about. Uh, first of all, remind us of just how large a cast we're talking about and then uh, what you have ultimately uh, done in terms of your casting choices. Um, so one of the difficult things about doing a uh, a production this time of year is finding people who can not only commit to uh, being in the production, but also um, understanding that it's the time of year where a lot of people maybe work more because they might be in retail or um, they have um, holiday plans. And so trying to find a lot of people, as you are well aware, Greg, this time of year is, um, it can be difficult. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the truth of the matter is I didn't have a ton of people audition for the show. Um, and, and that's okay because, um, you don't have to have a hundred people audition for a show as long as you find the right people out of the crop that you, um, had auditioned for you. And so I was very, very fortunate that, um, my, uh, 
the people who came to audition, even the people who ended up not being cast in the show, were just, I felt really, really good about um, the potential and sort of how they understood um, what the assignment was. Um, because of um, what I spoke to before about the number of people who auditioned, um, I only have one um, one male in the show, and it's Charlie Brown. All of the other roles, um, male and female, are played by females uh, in the show. And so there's, um, uh, and I don't know if this is a crude term, but uh, gender bending uh, in the cast. So um, my Linus in the show is played by a very talented female uh, named uh, Gretchen Fisher. Uh, Schroeder is played by um, another talented uh, young lady named Alyssa Stearns. And so um, I, it doesn't, in my view, take away from the show. Um, you know, they're still honoring the spirit of the character. Um, it's nothing that I think affects the uh, overall tone of the show or the, or the meaning, but um, it's been a really, really cool sort of way to um, jump into my directorial debut by sort of having this opportunity to have that subtle, um, uh, that subtle nuance of it's 2023 um, with having um, people who aren't necessarily the gender of the character they're playing, playing these characters and honoring the spirit of those characters. Hmm. I like that. So as you've gone through this, uh, the production and rehearsal process, just talk about uh, the the intriguing challenge then of of bringing these characters uh, to life uh, in light of what you just said in terms of the the, the casting choices that you ended up making. Um, I, I think that one of the the sort of difficult things is when you're talking about um, people on stage being actors. Um, if they were just playing um, adults it's probably a very simple conversation. But <laughs> when you think about um, the Peanuts gang, they're kids, they're eight-year-olds, they're ten-year-olds. And so you have adults in this production playing children, and they're children who have very um, grown-up conversations. And so trying to sort of um, get the cast to understand that there's sort of a, there's sort of a challenge there because you have to act like a kid who acts like an adult without actually being an adult. And so that was, that was a really fun challenge. I think for the cast was as they're finding their characters, um, just making sure that, you know, that this is how perhaps a child would act. You know, we have a tendency in this day and age to speak really, really fast. And so when you're talking about, at least in my experience, when you're talking about young kids who are having grown-up conversations, they speak very, very slowly or more slowly or more cadenced than um, they might speak regularly. So that was one of the challenges was to um, sort of uh, make sure that that happened. Um, as far as other things are concerned, it's just um, the trying to honor the spirit of the show and make sure that the things that you remember um, – and the things that you loved about this cartoon growing up or even today are still very much a part of the show. And I always think about the, the moments that people remember and when they see it in the show or they'll point and say, 
yep, that's it. I that's exactly what it looked like in the in the cartoon. And I wanted to honor that sort of sense of nostalgia because people love to be reminded of why they love something so much. And so we did our best to honor that spirit while also, like I said, allowing the actors to put their own unique spit spin into the characters. So um, the costumes are very much in the spirit of the cartoon and the, the hairstyles are very much in the spirit of the cartoon. But um, as I said, because each actor sort of brought their own different level of experience um, and sort of finding their way into playing these characters, I wanted to allow for that growth because um, as a, as an actor myself, that's one of the fun challenges is just trying to find how you can impart yourself into a character that might already be well-known by a lot of people. The uh, uh, role of Charlie Brown is, of course, uh, critical, and uh, I am excited to see the performance of Brian Dean, who happens to be a former voice student of mine from Carthage and a very, very talented young man. Can you just say a quick word about how you have worked with Brian uh, in terms of, of uh, essentially the title role of, of this play? Um, I'll be honest with you. I was, um, as with the rest of the cast, I was absolutely um, just very fortunate to have uh, come across Brian and have him audition. Um, Quite honestly, I haven't had to work much with Brian. He's a very naturally talented guy. And um, when I met him, um, or at least one of the first times I met him, um, and he told me that he um, was one of your students, I said, oh, I know Greg Berg. And, um, you know, if you've had any kind of interaction with Greg or you were a student, I said, that's, that's a very great education. And so um, in terms of finding the Charlie Brown character, I think he already sort of, really really had uh charlie brown ingrained in his um in his brain probably because like many he's very very much a fan of the peanuts gang and charlie brown and all that kind of stuff so i i understood that brian was uh already pretty prepared for the uh enormous challenge or the enormous sort of responsibility of playing arguably one of the most known characters in the history of television and film. And so in terms of working with him, it was collaborating on things like, you know, Charlie Brown will sometimes break the fourth wall and look at the camera and has, you know, they make, he makes a very um, distinctive face or says very distinctive things like his good grief kind of thing. So um, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, Brian was very, very, and is very, very open to collaboration and ideas. And he's not afraid to, um, you know, and, and I don't mean this negatively, he's not afraid to look foolish or silly on, on stage. And so that really lends itself to the character because especially in this show, Charlie Brown is the butt of a lot of the, the jokes. He's the butt of a lot of the things that happen. And so, um, in terms of the show itself, because Charlie Brown is sort of having an existential crisis and trying to find his true meaning of Christmas, um, there was a lot of um, opportunity for collaboration and sort of finding ways to be melancholy and and also um, optimistic, which mm. I believe um, is the spirit of Charlie Brown. Absolutely. And uh, this certainly is a, a, a play that carries a, a lovely message, and uh, uh, I, I know a lot of people are excited if they've not 
already seen it to uh, to take it in. So uh, remind our listeners about uh, exactly when these remaining performances are happening of A Charlie Brown Christmas and what Absolutely. they should do to get tickets. Um, so the show runs um, for the next two weekends. We have a th- we're having a three-weekend run. So this weekend uh, we have a Friday performance at 730 Then we have two performances on Saturday the 9th at uh, 2 o'clock and 7.30. We have a 2 o'clock performance on uh, Sunday. And then next weekend we have a uh, 7.30 performance on Friday the 15th. And then our last day is Saturday the 16th with a 2 o'clock and 7.30 curtain. Um, The show itself is only about 40 minutes, so it's just a very quick, brief show. It won't even feel like it was 40 minutes, but it's a great way to, if you... um, have young children, grandkids, that kind of thing. It's a great way to introduce them to theater. It doesn't require them to um, sit still for very long, but also provide some visual and um, audio stimuli. And so um, it's a great uh, quick show. Uh, tickets can be uh, purchased at uh, roadiecenter.org. That's R-H-O-D-E center.org. Um, and uh, you can uh, find tickets for Charlie Brown and all the other shows slated to be uh, at the Rody Center with Lakeside Players for the season. Norgie Metzinger is director of A Charlie Brown Christmas. Norgie, thank you for joining me. Best wishes to you and your cast and crew for the remaining uh, performances of A Charlie Brown Christmas. Thank you so much for having me, Greg, and uh, happy holidays. listening to the Friday Morning Show on WGTD.